0: Hi, Thanks for tuning in. I'm Danny Hill, the monk on a motorbike. Today my guest is meditation teacher Gavin Milne. Gavin teaches at Guy House Retreat Centre in Devon, one of the largest Buddhist meditation centres in Europe. He's been practicing meditation for over 20 years now and gave up a high-flying career as a design engineer for the Red Bull Formula One race team to travel to Asia and the US to explore the Dharma intensively before returning to the UK. Larry became a Guy house and started his teacher training in 2015, and became authorized in 2019. His teachings emphasize exploring the path of practice amidst the challenges of daily life. If you'd like to hear some of Gavin's talks, then go to DharmaSeed.org. That's Dharma, the Sanskrit spelling: D H A R M A, Seed DharmaSeed, all one word: DharmaSeed.org, and search for his name. And if you enjoy this or any of the other monk on a motorbike podcast, please take a bit of time and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you're using. It really helps thanks enjoy Hi, Gavin Hello and welcome
1: Good to be here and
0: yeah you thank you for coming over on this rather cold day so um We're at Gaia House in Devon at the moment, where you're a a dharma teacher, meditation teacher, as I mentioned in the intro, so I just really wanted to talk to you today about your life as a meditation teacher, and how you got into it, and what your practice has been, and so yeah, I wonder if you could just just tell me a little bit about your, uh, how how did you get into the dharma in the first place?
1: Oh, how did I get into the dharma? Um, It is that key word in the teaching, suffering, I think it was, (laughs) and at the time it all felt um rather chaotic and not being able to see the wood from the trees but in hindsight now I can see the very clear sort of causality in a way of you know suffering leads you to to look elsewhere and look at things a bit differently and um in a way I was both sort of uh, you know somewhat I suppose privileged um and fortunate to have had um you know quite a lot of opportunities during my my early life in terms of you know career and this type of thing and and I had really doubled down and worked hard through through my school years and through university and this and I was very much on that page of you know this is what you need to do to be happy you know you have to succeed and there was I was definitely carrying this idea of there being some sort of arrival point where you know everything clicks and you start to feel good and you know you know, work becomes a joy, and all of this type of thing. And and I think what happened for me, relatively quickly after university, in a few years, um, in the workplace, was was kind of getting to a place in my career path where it, it just became very clear that that wasn't going to happen. You know, that that place wasn't going to exist. And and then, it, uh, you know, ensued a, a fair bit of of, of quite deep kind of existential suffering in a way i think you would call it and again it was hard to know what what it was you know there was depression and this type of stuff around also in the mix there but but that constellation simply led me to say hang on you know it's not about the externals here um there's um you know, this is something to do with what's going inside of me. I remember that shift quite quickly. And I'm not sure, again, looking back at the sort of causes and conditions now, it's hard to track. But I I really didn't have many, uh, much of an understanding of, uh, you know, looking inwards, you know, tools and techniques for that. I hadn't really come across it much before. But for some reason, I had some sense of what meditation might be all about. You know, that was a word that somehow I already knew. Um, and then... You know, with that, I think I, I did what's probably a classic pathway now of literally Google, or Google searching what is the best meditation book or the one with the best reviews, and uh, and then you know I, I picked up uh, uh, a book and, and ordered it. And and that was that was the start of, of my practice. What, what was the book I have oh, to right, ask? Yeah, let's give it a plug. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it is a bit of a classic. It's one that I, I was happy to know is 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 you know quite a favourite here at Guy House also. But it's by uh, Bante Gunaratana uh, Mindfulness in Plain English. English. So really, I was looking for a book about meditation, but when I did that search, and the one with the best Amazon reviews was uh, Mindfulness in Plain English. So of course, that's the one I bought, and. Um, I mean, just to add a little bit of an extension to that, it was that sense of the words leaping off the pages and feeling like I was finally reading something that really sort of named it as it was. You know, all the stuff that I felt like I couldn't talk about or it just, it, yeah, it just felt like, you know, like that this isn't what we do in life. We don't sort of look at life this way. So it's much more than finding a tool to find some inner calm, which I thought is what I needed at that time. There's a lot of stress and a lot of kind of anxiety, um, but it was finding almost a whole philosophy and approach and a practice that was answering questions that really I'd had since I was a young kid, really, if I was, if I was honest. Um, so, so yeah, a lot of suffering, sense of stress because of that. It wasn't really about the job, it was about something bigger than that. Um, anxiety, depression, the, the full shebang really. Um, made worse by the fact that I felt like I shouldn't be feeling this way. I've got no right to, you know. felt like I had a pretty good hand, really. So that just makes it worse. You know, you feel like it's something to do with you. So, uh, yeah, that that was the kind of context back then. And, um, and then the energy and vigour by which I was applying to, you know, trying to succeed in the world, then all got superimposed into this wonderful possibility that was opening up in front so there's this sense of a double helix you know something letting go of something and then something else uh coming along so part of the battle then was to try to relate to meditation practice you know in a much more gentle kind relaxed way so that gives you some of the some of the context there
0: brilliant so so do you but but what was the job, by the way? I'm mean, I'm intrigued. What what was your career before this?
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting one um, because before I tell you what it was, I can tell you that, that there was a crossover period whereby I was so alive with meditation practice, I, I had to ask the sort of uh, one of the sort of uh, uh, people that that oversaw. You know, practical stuff in, in in the offices where I was working. Whether there was a space where I could practice meditation each oh, day, wow, yeah, which okay. was very countercultural. I'll tell you what it was in a minute. And uh, she she the only place she could find that was semi quiet was the computer server room with blackout blinds. And I would go in there each lunchtime. No one really had any sense of what I was doing. And I would go in there and I would sit cross legged. And it was only again, you know, a couple of years later, that somebody said the electromagnetic radiation must have been ridiculous in there and there I was sort of opening up every lunchtime but I sort of needed to do that just to stay, you know, grounded and and just, uh, I had to, you know, carry on my my job for some time and uh, it just gave me uh, a way in which I could, you know, just, yeah, just stay grounded at work really because it was was a really tricky period. So the job I was doing was I was uh, a design engineer uh, for a Formula One racing team so um, wow. Yes what, what, Well what became Back then Red Bull Racing Which is now still Red Bull Racing And uh, v- you know very high pressure Fast paced um, Quite intensive You know it's a race off the track as well as on the track Um And yeah, I mean, I still chuckle to this day, you know, the, the, the kind of <laughs> the contrast between. Uh, but at one point, somebody in the office said, um, Gavin, we, we always knew you were a hippie. <laughs> this was just before I went off to 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 Asia and uh, decided to, to leave Brilliant. leave that career. Really, I've, I've never, never gone back.
0: As you life. say, I, I can imagine how doing a job like that would for a lot of people be, wow, You you really have landed. That's the most amazing thing. How could you not be? Insanely happy every second of the day, you know. As he says, I can imagine how how that would
1: feel. Yeah, you know, if you're not exactly, you know, that was certainly the inner dialogue that was going on because I felt really. It's a funny environment because, you know, you th- th- there is a lot of um, kind of, uh, I suppose, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, kind of ego in in there as well. But I but I think I felt very sort of small and quite ashamed in a way as well you know there was all sorts of things in the mix because you know I was very aware that there was a lot of good fortune in in I guess the breaks that I'd had but um it it was yeah it it, it was I, I I really felt like it, it there, there was something wrong with me I think I carried that idea for quite a while there is you know I'm, I'm doing meditation or mindfulness practice really because there's something wrong with me here and um
0: so this this had started before the mindfulness or once you started, you felt that there was something wrong with you because you were doing it it or?
1: had started it had started before yeah definitely um and and i I also felt really unable I suppose to reach out you know in hindsight as well there was this thing of needing to sort myself out myself, which uh you know I have quite a lot of sadness around really and uh you know and and I, I try to recollect that often because I feel like it must be that way for so many people you know that you, you just we don't have so much of a culture where it's okay to really reach out and ask for help or you know or stigma around mental health so you know whether I look back then and and sort of see it as a mental health issue or not it's still even if it was a mental health issue it it's a shame that you know, it could just be like having a sore leg or a bad back or something. So, so absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was, uh, yeah. There was there was quite a lot of shame and yeah, a real sense that oh no, I ought to be, I ought to be happy there. But there there were there were kind of signs. You know, I was kind of looking around at other people working there and people who had been there, you know, longer and had progressed career wise, and uh, I I wasn't. You know, I was seeing a lot of stressed people, basically. (laughs) So there was a bit of, like, oh, I'm not sure that's really what I'm looking for. You know, it's definitely that sense of I'm looking for something different in life came through as well at that time. Um, So,
0: yeah. How long ago was this that you
1: started the...
0: basically picked up the Bante
1: Rama book? Uh, That was... uh, it's about yeah eighteen years ago now I mm-hmm. think yeah okay. yeah quite a yeah. while okay yeah, yeah.
0: Well, what was the response by the way when he's in that environment when he said would you mind awfully if I just went and sat cross-legged <laughs> somewhere else <laughs> as you say it's pretty counterculture yeah. how, how how did they respond to that
1: Uh there were one uh, the person who organised that for me was very um yeah she she was very sweet and and she yeah she was kind of in tune with it being a difficult time for me and. Um, yeah, quite a few other people in the office also were, you know, they were just aware it was a difficult time. Um, and yeah, I'd sort of made some quite good, good friends there and, and they were, they were very supportive. So I did, I did sort of reach out that much in a way and just, uh, they, they were aware that things were tricky and I, I had to take some time off. You know, I had, I, I think I took two or three weeks off at one point, um, and, uh, yeah they they didn't really sort of get what what I was up to I think but they they sort of yeah understood that yeah it was something that was was helping i think
0: did did you try anything else therapy or anything like that, or was it just just the mindfulness um
1: I think at that time I think i did actually i think I did one or two sessions counseling sessions or something and yeah again just felt like oh this isn't it's just not quite yeah fitting it's not not quite what's needed here um but but i think yeah sort of as far as i can remember did i did i go and see a gp or something as well maybe um yeah i was i think by virtue of being signed off work for two or three weeks i think that included a trip to the gp um so, yeah, I did, and there, there is a bit of a kind of prior history to that as well, because I also did sort of have a bit of a difficult period towards the end of university, which which did look like almost the start of what then unfolded more strongly. And again, I tried um, speaking one one to one with a counsellor at that point as well. And again, just it just it felt like not quite understanding. Uh, yeah, what was going on it wasn't so. quite cutting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Had you had any sort of inc- any sort of spiritual stuff going on before uni? Was this was it a thing for you? Was this quite, quite
1: an eye opener when you picked up this book? Did it seem really new? Um, no, I hadn't. I hadn't sort of read anything particularly, but I had what what started to what started to happen at the end of university looked like the beginning of then what sort of played out a good few years later in in the context of this you know this career this job i was doing uh and yeah i guess it was sort of um yeah it was it was whatever happened felt very traumatic it felt like um Again, just didn't really have any context for it, but it was uh, what started to happen towards the end of university was the you know very strong sense of self awareness of like seeing almost seeing my my seeing myself and and when that started to break through, which again was during quite I suppose a stressful time, um, that felt also quite ungrounding. You know that that was the the sort of start of quite a lot more suffering but within that there were also periods of uh, you know experiencing quite a lot of calm and pleasant experience which was was quite curious Um, so yeah something was happening where part of me at least was starting to make sense of the inner terrain but it was with that there was a little bit more of pushing it to one side and kind of putting a lid on it and trying to carry on and be who I should be sure, and who yeah. I thought yeah. I should be yeah. but but there was something going on there I guess that was you know awareness starting to to break through come through
0: yeah brilliant so all right so, so you you get this book on mindfulness and you start practicing from the book I yeah I think and you're practicing <clears throat> by the sounds of things on your own Ta- talk me through from there how, how did things progress then
1: yeah so uh yeah how did it progress so i i started reading the book um it was funny i did have the book for uh, a couple of weeks without dipping into it and i can't quite remember why that was it was a curious sort of thing i don't know if it was a sort of final rally to try to to sort of you know see if i i could work with whatever was going on differently and I think the stress and the anxiety just cranked up more and more from what I can remember. That was the point where um, I I basically just thought I just have to take some time out from this. And I don't think I'd ever really done that before. I'd never, because I would have seen that as quitting, um, you know, kind of not being on top of things, basically, which in a way was the whole problem, you know, trying to be on top of stuff all the time. Uh, you know, real perfectionist, real control freak. Um, so I I just I I just remember being in the office one evening and working quite late and I was just yeah yeah really not in a good good space and and I just had to you know take some time out at that point basically and I ended up during that period making my way up to my family home in Scotland and obviously bounced off family etc. They they kind of knew what was what was happening to a degree and then I um it was almost like my body was 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 doing this for me it was in charge and it um it sort of guided me off into the scottish highlands which i've always felt uh, have been my home in some way yeah
0: lovely yeah, and yeah. i
1: sat at the the shore of uh one of the lochs uh in the center of the cairngorms and, and started started dipping into this this book oh brilliant what uh, a lovely place to start so, yeah, yeah. yeah so that there was uh, and that that was actually incredibly supportive i didn't realize it at the time but um this the wilderness and the mountains um just yeah were were a, a really helpful support to start to yeah just figure out what on earth was going on really and to really get into the the um, the practices and, and, and what i was reading in the book so um so yeah, I think I think there was just as I said, just a lot of energy was then directed into the meditation practice, and I I have since encountered a lot you know a few other people that that uh, had this experience as well, but uh, it was uh, you know a case of you know some when I, when I ended up going back to work a few weeks later, I was really using every weekend to to just practice to keep practicing keep practicing just on your own no? yeah pretty yeah, much right. on my own yeah and I would I would go away it was a real sense of let's get the heck out of suffering here mm. you know let's this is the door let's just do it and it was like all the the energy of suffering went into that kind of intensive practice and I would go off for weekends here and there to wales etc etc I've been mean, very fortunate in a way to to even be able to do that and then that all unravelled over the course of 6 or 7 months to the point where I came on my first retreat here at Gaia House, um, about six seven months after starting starting practicing on my own. And the book, actually, in the B- Bante Gunaratana's book, he says, you know, this book should get you six months <laughs> six months <laughs> down the road. A, but sure at a certain enough, point, bang. <laughs> yeah. And it was almost like, yeah, that that unfolded <laughs> that way because you know, just to contact teachers and just it, it's two things are happening aren't they often when you 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 come to meditation practice one is just this sense of disassembling and and the other is something else emerging mm. and those two things could you know at times can feel great and fine and at other times it can feel very ungrounding mm. so uh, uh, but i felt ready to come and do it a bit more intensively in the silence and uh, And yeah, that was the start of my connection with Gaia House at that point.
0: Who was the retreat with? Was it like a long retreat,
1: short retreat? It was, I'd read somewhere or or picked up somewhere that doing, you know, a week long could, it's a really, uh, it can be a nice step just to really immerse, you know, to go straight in. And I had that feeling that I wanted to to really immerse and go in for seven days. So it's seven or eight days and it was with... uh, Catherine McGee and Yenai mm-hmm. Postolnik back then mm-hmm. uh, on Inside Meditation, I think. Mm. So that was the, yeah, that was the first retreat experience. Brilliant,
0: and then how how was that? How did that feel after sort of practicing on your own like that?
1: Yeah, that was that was very. Um, that was a very sort of consolidating retreat. And it just felt, the whole experience just felt aligned. Not easy, but, you know, really difficult to, at certain points. But uh, a place of safety where one could really, um, yeah, almost just let the practice kind of do do its thing, you know, just, just really let go into, into being here at Gaia House. Um, so it felt like things started to kind of click into place there was a real sense of okay this is what this is what this is about and then from that place really starting to touch into the other perspective i suppose so less this sense of god there's something wrong with me i've got 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 to sort all this out to seeing it much more of okay wow this is yeah there's something else opening up and breaking through here to use that language and that's causing the other bits of me to kind of flounder and not know what the heck they're doing and get depressed and stressed and all of these things but there was much more gravity towards what was breaking through from that point and a real sense of clarity of direction and um, uh, yeah, just just seeds being sown that kind of then had their own life force and energy so um, yeah, it felt very clear oh, the, I, I, I really want to commit to this more and not not in a whimsical way it was more like okay i think on some level i've discovered what i'm looking for here um way before you know this is i've in a way been looking for this my whole life i've just been looking in the wrong places and i think i i remember even sharing at the end of the retreat you know this this simplicity of this sense of what i've always been looking for is has been right here in the present moment all along you know that kind of thing so it's like right stopping trying to get away from myself starting to try to come you know come back home but of course sort of also not quite knowing how to do that in an easeful way it's like right you, you sort of you know you, you use all your, your your kind of striving energy starts to to go towards trying to be present which uh, you know can can sort of have the reverse effect but there was um there was a clarity about, yeah, that's where I want to, you know, and just this sense of uh, d- discovering where happiness and peace and all those things are. It's like it, once you discover them through when when you don't have really anything at all around you and it's more to do with having less than having more of anything, um, you know, that has a powerful effect then on your life direction you know you you could different thoughts and ideas come up about that but there's something very visceral and very physical about that it's like right um yeah the being knows something it didn't know before so awesome so how
0: how did you you mentioned a few times sort of discovering this commitment and finding this is really where you wanted to be how how did things go from there from from the Gaia house
1: um, so yeah, there was this, um, I, I think I remember even at the end of the retreat kind of, you know, you pick up different things, don't you, from the people that you meet before the retreat and after the retreat and, you know, had some interesting conversations and just blown away by just how, I don't know, lovely everyone was and, you know, I, I immediately fell in love with this place. i just never encountered a place like this before. It was such a stark contrast. Um, but it's pretty prob- special isn't it yeah, to say, yeah, yeah yeah um but probably one or two people had spoken about you know hitting the road and going off places and you know i'd, I'd obviously had this six months where i was really questioning my sort of life direction really um even though it's again it's sort of sounds funny sort of ha- having these thoughts really you know, quite, quite young. I'd only only been doing my my sort of career type job for two or three years, really. But um, those questions were definitely there. And then meeting people that had avenues by which to then, you know, do different things. So, you know, you start to touch into people who have made decisions to do things differently and to go travelling for some time or... um, you know, spent time elsewhere or or doing voluntary work or or this type of thing. And so that opened up just uh, a a different set of options which I hadn't really encountered before. Um, And yeah, probably then sowed the seed. I think I remember asking one or two people about, you know, the practicals of heading off to Asia or whatever. But that definitely sowed that seed and then that kind of marinated and, and grew over the, the next while and I think from maybe even only three or four months after that retreat I was pretty clear that's what I wanted to do there was almost a slight fear in fact of 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 somehow sliding back into a a sort of groove that didn't really feel so meaningful or purposeful I had that sense that that could somehow happen I could just get swept up so I you know fairly quickly probably after a few months started to put wheels in motion to uh he- head off traveling to asia the following year um but i then carried on you know working for for quite a a lo- a long time you know but knowing that i was i would be be leaving and that was that was actually the best sort of period i had i was able to sort of really kind of try to really enjoy that experience and really you know um yeah let myself just kind of feel a bit better being there doing the work and you know getting to know the, the other guys and in the team and stuff um and but but knowing that i, w- I would be you know moving on at some point or, or moving on the following year um, so, so that that was kind of a nice time, but yeah, I felt like I needed sort of to commit for myself to to saying right, you yeah, know, I'm going away, and uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so suddenly you can see the end is in sight, and you can relax, can't you? Yeah, you exactly. Just get on with things. Definitely. Yeah. There's, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel, isn't there?
1: Brilliant. There was that, and then in a weird kind of way, there's part of me that was it was a bit hard. It was a little bit hard to leave. In some ways, there's definitely part. Well, there's many different parts, aren't there? And some parts were, yeah, there was. They they weren't fully on board with with leaving at that point, and Mm. and were so. Yeah, it was it was still tricky, and of course, yeah, you know the irony is that this. Uh, i left and then the this this team which i had no idea at the time they they then went on and had really considerable success you know, which, <laughs> uh, which is now, of course yeah. completely to do with me me, uh, me leaving oh, you know sorry. so uh so that was you know there was a sense of missing out on that a little bit i suppose down the line i i sort of had had those thoughts but but yeah so left uh about, about a year and a half, I think, after I'd done my first retreat, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. And do
0: we, we, did you want to go to Asia just for the Dharma, or was it, oh. I just want to go travelling, I want to see the world, or was it all of it the above? Was,
1: yeah, it was all, all, all of that, really. All, yeah, just <coughs> stepping out. I think it was a little bit linked with this sense of seeing how, you know, the forces of, of you know, this is how you should do things in life how strong certainly in, 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 with the, you know my friends and family and, and my life circumstances it felt like that could be a difficult place to to sort of really um uh i don't know let let these seeds kind of be nurtured and, and develop you know it was all it was all very charged and a lot of investment my my whole sense of who i was 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 a lot to do with with uh you know the the career and this type of thing so, um, so, yeah, it, I I almost didn't know it might it might have just felt more intuitive, you know, to to head off to Asia, to, you know, particularly to India, um, but also I was very very taken by this potential to live a life that was far less based on one's own kind of success and self concern. So, I, I you know, had had organised um, doing voluntary work over in, in India and, and subsequently in Sri Lanka as well. And that, and I knew this at the time, it was just a really lovely sort of mix of having some clear reference points to be able to really get out there and learn about life. You know, I was just so naive in so many ways and, uh, you know, obviously just... Some of these schools in in North India just having people come along who speak English and you know teaching bits and pieces in English it's could be so helpful for them. So and is um, that what you're doing teaching? Yeah, yeah. So I I did that uh, in India and that was sort of sandwiched by i guess you know doing retreats and stuff over over in india also but it's funny when when i started looking into india i was struck by it not seeming like there was lots and lots of places to go and do the type of retreat that i'd done here at guy house i had this i imagined in my mind there would be lots of options and, and loads of you know you have these <laughs> fantasies don't you and sort of kind of struggling to sort of find yeah, it's places. Not that easy, is it? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I actually contacted Gaia House, and uh, the kind person on reception said, Oh, you're going over there then? Oh, you, you might be able to go to the Bodh Gaya retreats at the, Thai for, at the Thai monastery there. And they fitted this was another sort of slightly magical unfolding is the dates fitted absolutely perfectly with when I was starting because it was they used to be over Christmas,
0: I think didn't they? Is that right uh, New close years? yeah January I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah, so I had already set up uh the first volunteer project from a quite early February up near Kalimpong and sort of darjeeling district um and the the January retreats fitted perfectly because then I headed over you know Christmas New Year time and and went and could you know survive the the mad initiation of India and and some have some idea of where I was trying to get to and go and just go there and then you know get into the monastery gates and then you know sort myself out then because it was a pretty pretty crazy experience but um uh, you know just arriving in India but, but that that fitted really sweetly actually and of course was yeah, just an amazing uh, place to go also and to have that connection also with this sort of insight meditation tradition which already seemed to be kind of unfolding it was like oh okay well this this fits and you know definitely the flow here at Gaia House felt like it was a good fit for for where I was so no, there
0: so. were a month or
1: two weeks those retreats they? They, they,
0: uh,
1: I never did one f- they cover a month I think there's three yeah. retreats of ten days I yeah. think as I recall what, yeah, what so, did
0: you stay the, for the
1: full lot yeah did so there's quite a few people it? staying for the full lot yeah. so I just kind of went in there so how there was, was this wish to really do intensive practice mm. uh, how was it um, I mean the, the setting was remarkable when I r- remember back now and tune into it it's like I can remember the smells I can remember the music you know from, from round and about Bodh Gaya um, I can you know remember the colours I remember all of that in a way more than you know the specific teachings that were offered it did have a different vibe it felt more relaxed, more open, more spacious than the the previous you know the retreat I'd done at Gaya House Uh and it was um, what was it? Yeah, it was it was hard in a way. I mean, I, I again, you see things more clearly in hindsight. But I think going to India really hit me on the belly level. So like, I had a visceral sense of my belly. What you know, whatever it is psychologically that happens in your belly center or chakras or whatever, like they just came up into my head or my (laughs) consciousness so I was kind of walking around in a state of shock and of course I was still I was very much wired towards you know attached to the fruit of meditation practice in a way you know trying to get the bliss and the calm and all this kind of stuff which obviously you know you do encounter along the way and uh so it was kind of a few retreats of quite a lot of striving really, of trying to get back to some kind of experience or place and encountering a lot of different stuff and, you know, being fortunate enough to have, you know, wonderful teachers and sangha that could, could sort of um, keep that in check. But there was a lot of... Yeah, it was... It, practice didn't feel particularly smooth or or easy, but the setting... You know, offered some sort of different type of magic into the mix. I think, um, so yeah, and I kind of appreciated that the retreat was. It was quite kind of open and spacious. It was kind of a little bit like. Yeah, just, just sit and hang out with yourself. You know, it wasn't to get too bogged down with doing something or accomplishing something or, you know, th- this is how you do meditation practice. It seemed to really fit the setting. It felt it felt spacious and open and the teachings were quite varied and different styles, different flavours. People, uh, one or two teachers who, who really had come from a slightly different background altogether, which was quite refreshing. So this sense that, uh, you know, it doesn't just have to be straight down the line buddhism it seems that there are people really you know dipping their toe in here and finding what's helpful and people finding their own paths and stuff like that which again at the time part of me was a little bit like well not sure about this but looking back it was yeah it's that's kind of remained really that that flavor um so so yeah it was uh it was, uh, yeah, magical and also kind of tough. But it would have been tough wherever I was, you know. <laughs> it would have been much so, harder, yeah. yeah. Back, <laughs> back, sort of trying to, I don't know, yeah, do 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 it somehow, back on on home turf, as it were.
0: Yeah. Oh wow, amazing! And then, and you just you carried on doing retreats, or you you were checking out other practices where people were mentioning. What, what what was your thing after that? Oh, you know, I'm trying to, to remember,
1: yeah. I've missed something in between, which was I also... Uh, I did do a retreat the year before I left at Amaravati as well. Ten-day retreat there. So that that was a sort of... I, I did like a couple of other little things, one with the What's Now True Ratna as well. Mm-hmm. So I sort of dipped my toe into a couple of other things during that year when I was still mm. in the UK. Amarwati is lovely place as yeah. well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, that was, yeah, that was a nice retreat, but again, you know, a lot of kind of trying to get somewhere, trying to get have an experience or whatever, um and then, yeah, in India, I did. I just realized i'm doing a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of talking that's right that's, <laughs> is that all okay the, that's the point <laughs> i feel like that's i should be asking the, you no no something. that's yeah. the whole point no, <laughs> okay, i just thought <laughs> I'd, it's uh, when your mind starts to engage <laughs> with you you know it's i'm re- remembering this this whole trip now i haven't reflected on it for a little while but uh so um yes yeah, so there was the Bodhgaya retreats and then there was off to kalimpong it's actually lovely speaking about this because there's some memories i I've really had the opportunity to share, but again, it's funny the places you go. It's almost there was this real sense of karma unfolding, you know. So you you had Kalimpong, which you know I believe that the likes of I think I'm right in saying even Shangr spent time there. I think you know with, with the, the Tree ra- Ratna, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but all sorts of sort of you know well known um, uh, folks associated with you know the the Vajrayana Tibetan. Because there's a lot of Tibetan, yeah people there and that started to break out as a, as a bit of a theme I kind of had one eye on this all the time you know even right from the word go I was sort of doing a little bit of reading but there was a lot of stuff in there that confused me and didn't seem to fully immediately speak to the suffering that I was still kind of swimming in but that was very much Tibetan Buddhist country up there and within about a short time of being up uh, close to the school staying with the family I was staying with in this village outlying Kalimpong um, the, the the kids there were, who, who were just amazing teachers. I mean, the, the, the kids in this school and, you know, just these free spirits just playing and roaming around and, you know, the uh, staying with this family. I think it was literally on day one they they, they took me on, on this kind of adventure. I thought they were just taking me down the road to, like, go and visit a friend or something, but they, they walked for miles almost, you know, down the road, down the valley, to the point where I, you know, I didn't... I didn't even relate to this place as a home but i'm thinking we ought to get back it's like back back where you know you're so you've only been there one day so the kids were and i was like are you allowed are you allowed have you told anyone you know all <laughs> yeah, this <that's> stuff. right <laughs> and they took me for for miles and they walked down the, the the road down the hill and they pointed up onto the top of this mountain top up at this and i could see a building on the top and they're like sir gavin sir gavin sir tourist bungalow tourist bungalow and i i had Hadn't been in India long enough to know what a tourist bungalow yeah, was, yeah. but it was something I encountered further down the line. So anyway, they showed me this place and, and they're like, we go there now, we go. And it was miles and miles further on. And I, I vetoed it at that point. I'm like, no, we don't have time to go there. It's getting dark. Um, you know, beautiful sort of uh, seeing of my my own conditioning, you know, that, that perhaps without me there, they would have just gone off and done it and been fine. Um, so anyway, we all went back and I never, I, I was aware of this building up on the hillside for, um, you know, for quite a while while I was there. But I started to put wheels in motion to to do uh, a personal retreat um, after this vol- voluntary stint. And one of the places that came into the hat was this, what was being called a tourist bungalow, which turns out was actually a meditation centre that um, some people, I think, from Switzerland had tried to build or had built in the most amazing setting on this oh, peak. Wow, yeah. uh, and literally, almost like vertical drops either side. I mean, it's like stuff out of a kind of uh, a fantasy of meditating in the Himalayas. Mm. And they said, because it was in the hands of some sort of a tourist organisation uh, by that point, it had never become a retreat centre. I think they ran out of funding but it but it was well enough built to be one pretty much and a meditation hall and stuff um, but they through through sort of speaking to people etc there was the opportunity to go up there for I think a couple of nights or two or three nights to to practice in this place that I don't think anyone had had ever done ended up doing any meditation in so that felt a really rich experience Um but that, that was the, the sort of the, the tester, if you like, for then embarking on after having spent a few months in this village, working in this school with the, the family and, and and in this village to, uh, yeah, head off somewhere where where it was possible to do a solitary retreat, um, which ended up, just say if I'm speaking too quickly and covering no, it no, too. No, no, absolutely uh, no, go for it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, so yeah so so through people that were helping coordinate the volunteers over there etc etc i mean they just had so many different contacts and i said look is there somewhere i could go that would you know i could do meditation retreat or something it's quite funny speaking to the the volunteer sort of project manager person out there because he was like, oh, I can think of this place, I can think of this place. And he's like, there is one place, but you wouldn't want to go there. It's way too lonely. Lonely, lonely, lonely place. And I'm like, hang on a minute. What? He's like, no, you don't <laughs> want to go there. There's a much better place in the town, you know, we can think of, you know, etc." And he's like, no, tell me about the lonely place. And he described like this, I don't know, fairy tale, fantasy, end of the track. You take the track, Mm -hmm. it gets as close to Sikkim as you can. It's on the Bhutan border and the river separates. But the river's blocked upstream and it's been blocked for, um, you know, weeks and they don't know when it's going to unblock and the stream will come down and they're not sure what's... And I'm like, this sounds amazing. (laughs) So so anyway, you know, to cut a long story short, this was all set up. And of course I was able to, uh, you know, sort of support... The, the family up there out in the sticks by virtue of me being there, they they were running, they, they sort of would would offer, I think, accommodation and, and like a restaurant facility to trekkers who were passing through Seekim down into north uh, West Bengal. And, um, but because of what was going on with the river and because I think it was maybe a little bit off season, um, they were happy, you know, to have me come along and effectively, you know, they, they had a, a kind of spare room extension thing out the back. Um, and I was able to stay there and then go and walk over the river every morning, so over this big sort of bridge, uh, footbridge thing and and then there was a sort of uh, i guess it 's like a herding hut or something right by the river that separates Bhutan from um, from india and uh, and then go go practice there there every day um, and I think I was there for three weeks maybe and bathing in the water, in the river, each day, and seeing, you know, I'm not sure what birds they were, but big birds, probably vultures, you know, flying overhead and, and this type of thing. So so really finding myself suddenly in this kind of Himalayan, you know, it's more than I could have pictured, really, in terms of really getting out there.
0: Patrol school yogi stuff. Yeah, yeah, it? but Wonderful. but I, I get
1: very fortunate to have the, the mm. support and, you know, the, the food and stuff. Um, and, you know, I can now say I've been to Bhutan. <laughs> so <laughs> got both feet over the other Peeked side of the river. The board, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was, you know, th- this was really sort of seeing, oh, God, there's, there's a lot of energy for this, you know, meditation practice stuff and, uh, and uh, yeah, being up there. And just to add a, another funny little story sort of onto this was the, the, the sort of the trauma associated with the taxi rides both there and back. <laughs> I and down again, the mountains, yeah. And They're again, terrifying, an, aren't they? Yeah, and a, and an insight into the uh, you know the the, the sort of I, I suppose the the religious you know culture in India as well of of you know entering the taxi and seeing the driver. Sort of, I I got to sit in the middle, so the gear stick was between my legs. So I had a five hour taxi trip with <laughs> the gear stick going here, there, and everywhere, both there and back. I think from what I can remember, but getting into the taxi and seeing the taxi driver. Um, sort of, effectively praying, I think, to Ganesh, the little sort of yeah. symbol of Ganesh, on the dashboard. You know, probably saying, you know, may this journey be safe, etc., and free from obstacles. May et we cetera. make so it, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then driving like an absolute maniac <laughs> for five hours. You know, like skidding <laughs> wheels around corners. You know, along kind of uh, river. Uh, you know, roads close to rivers, and you look down into yeah, the river, and you sure, see trail, like an yeah. old, I don't know, truck. like truck mm-hmm. or. You know, you've you've seen this types of stuff as well, Danny, and uh, um, uh, yeah, and just and just thinking, whoa, you know, okay, so yeah, the, 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 just seeing the way that belief systems then affect very much how you live day to day, and just such an incredible sense of faith and trust in a way, and you know, we did survive, so, <laughs> but uh, I just thought, wow, that's so different, so so that was. Yeah, that was uh uh yeah, solitary retreat I I guess. The other side of doing that first volunteer project.
0: That's no small thing to do you know, not a huge amount of retreat experience and then go off for three weeks pretty much on your own. I mean that that's takes some doing to do that. Yeah,
1: i I I guess so. I, I haven't chewed into it that way before. What I would say now and I think potentially one of the biggest learnings I went through with that retreat is noticing what happened to my practice when I was left completely to my own devices and that not being especially helpful, to be honest. I mean there was a lot of I think there was a lot of benefit in that retreat, but there was a lot of over efforting. And I imagine that had there been teachers around or, or, or even, you know, friends on the path to speak to that could have been different and I think even you know to a degree I'm probably still working a little bit with the legacy of that I think that really carried on for a good number of years and almost became a little bit hardwired so teachers would maybe suggest certain things and I'd still really be kind of pushing too much so that I think started or or, yeah became more consolidated during that retreat so it's a very Helpful learning in that regard, um, but yeah, it yeah wasn't. It, it, I think I think it would have been better to have been somewhere perhaps where there was teacher support. In hindsight, yeah.
0: Mm, good. And so, so how, how did things progress from there, and practice-wise, and becoming a teacher? What was the? How did things move towards that? Yeah. presume he must have gone back to work
1: at some point uh kind of not actually in a way so i stayed in asia for a year a year and a half in total so yeah there's there's lots to say about that in between uh period but there was yeah uh, carrying on doing a lot of practice um i did Quite a lot of retreat practice in um, Sri Lanka. Um, Maybe just say this bit about that experience because it's, again, quite interesting how you really... A lot of people say this about, you know, travelling in in Asia, that the sense of, you know, life really... You you really see how life is... You really see the karmic flow of life kind of taking you... You know, all your ideas about what you might do often plays out very, very differently... Um, and there was this sense of wanting to go to a retreat centre in Sri Lanka, where, if anything, the, the practice was even more intensive. You know, so kind of Mahasi style, I suppose. Which I think in in the likes of Sri Lanka is, you know, getting up really, really early, and you, you probably you'll you'll know more about this than I will, Danny. And you know, really a lot of intensive meditation. Um, but everyone I encountered um, along the way, you know, people in the guest house, et cetera, were saying, Oh, you should go to Nilambe. You should go to Nilambe. Everyone kept saying. And uh, so eventually I did that and discovered this wonderful meditation retreat center on the top of a mountain uh, outside Kandy. And the, the approach there was much, much gentler, much, much more gentle, much more relaxed, more of an emphasis on loving kindness. And the I think that the sort of the um, the teacher associated with uh, with that meditation center is Godwin Samara Ratna. I think that's the right okay. way of pronouncing his name. Which I believe he he wrote a book called The Gentle Way. Um, and he he was no longer uh, living when I went there. But uh, it was um, yeah just just. A, a, beautiful place to find so in between doing voluntary work in uh, sri lanka there was sort of fairly regular trips up up there So a real real continuation during that time and then similar coming back to india and going to nepal and spending a lot of time at Kopan monastery in uh in nepal as well and again that sort of connection with uh
0: doing doing tibetan tibetan, tibetan style stuff. Not,
1: not really practicing so much in that way but getting really getting something from the whole vibe right but, just being there. But and, just being yeah. there, but but sitting, you know, there were people there doing a lot of the foundational practices of mm-hmm. that lineage, you know, the prostrations and the visualisations and stuff. But I was there sort of cross-legged, you know, meditating hard. Right. And I remember someone else, a, a girl who was there similar age to me, was sort of, we were looking at each other, what each other were doing and sort of not fully understanding, you know, is that better to do that or better? To, and she sort of said, you know, sometimes I just want to crack on and do what you're doing. And then I was like... This is really hard what I do, like my mind is like a crazy monkey, you know, and i you know what you're doing looks amazing, so there's this sort of two different lineages overlapping mm-hmm. um but yeah, kopan monastery for quite a long time, also some Goka Vipassana retreats mm-hmm. in Nepal as well, and then um yeah, just uh, uh, you yeah, know coming back to the u k and then how did it unfold so
0: so so just just i mean you, yeah. you packed quite a lot in in that time in asia with nalembi and Goenka and Copan and yeah. your own stuff it sounded like you were really quite intensive going for it yeah yeah, yeah no i
1: i think i was going for it yeah. really back then it feels it feels sort of a bit like a different me i suppose now so i'm kind of you know curious how i'm framing it but but no i was I think I was on it back then. Yeah, yeah. I was really going for, going for something. Yeah, yeah, Um, but a lot of the other experiences around that were really, yeah, just just felt really important in, in in a way. You know, perhaps more important. You know, the other other things, other experiences. But but there was there was there was so much sort of energy being directed towards meditation practice. I mean, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say, but I had funny sort of little stories about how. I was near, you know, the, some of the most remarkable, you know, Buddhist pilgrimage places in Sri Lanka, but I never, I never sort of ended up going to see them because I wanted to spend the extra day meditating. Oh, yeah. And, you know, even soon after getting into India, I, I was more intent to get to Gaya than to go and see the Taj Mahal. I stayed within <laughs> 500 meters of the Taj Mahal and I never saw it, um, <laughs> there's a another part to that story it's because i was sort of slightly scared that i was being held to ransom but but again it's it's curious that there there was a real wish to explore the inner universe um more than some of the you know magical places you could go and visit in india um although of course one absorbs just the magic of india itself but but there, there wasn't really any wish to go and see these places and, and have that sort of tick box thing uh it was like no let's let's go let's go meditate somewhere or or find somewhere
0: it sounds, so, it sounds like you're absorbing the culture as well you were teaching and working with people and you were you know you were getting quite yes from it in that yeah, way as well yeah
1: and and there was yeah it, it was sort of a little bit like not what well, not yeah not wanting to do the the tourist trail sort of thing i suppose even though some of the tourist trail stuff's amazing um, but but the the culture the sort of being with the family in the village and you know attending some of the most amazing experiences were attending you know funerals there held in the Tibetan Buddhist way mm. amazing you know just seeing what was going on there and and equally you know marriage ceremonies being part of that and really feeling like one one was having a very very Sort of uh, uh, real I- included I- experience over, the, you know, in some of the cultural stuff. So, yeah, it was more the bit the bit that was let go of was was okay. Yeah, we w- we won't do so much of the touristy type stuff. We'll we'll just just follow this flow. So so yeah, there was quite a lot packed in. There's probably other stuff in there. There were, there was another trip back to Bodgaya as well. During or another the retreat. Yeah, to come mm-hmm. back to do the retreats there again a year later. Yeah. So, came back to England at some point? Yeah, came back to um, England after having been away for a year and a half. Again, I'm I'm seeing... My my mind's moving so quickly today. (laughs) I'm sort of seeing all these different experiences, but, you know, the experience at Heathrow Airport airport was mind-blowing. It's like, wow! You know, everything was so... I don't know, sort of clean and orderly and <laughs> not noisy and it was like wow, it must have looked like such a kind of uh, I don't know what. So that was really interesting arriving back in the UK. It took a while to, to uh, adjust, I hear there's something yeah. now called India syndrome that, oh, that, really? people, yeah, that yeah. You know, people that just kind of have these very different experiences in India but completely fail to readapt to right. uh, you know life back in there sort of yeah, wherever or, they go in the west, yeah, yeah, yeah. back in the west yeah. if you like. Um so yes, but, but not not wanting to go back into Korea, um, feeling further and further away from the kind of engineering design background, which I kind of knew was never really me anyway. You know, I always felt like a bit of a fraud imposter doing that anyway. So how did I get through this? Um, and, and just wanting to carry on. So where, where to go? I'd picked up the thread of... Um, Chithurst Monastery in West Sussex I'd started to connect with Ajahn Suchito's teachings and was fortunate enough to be able to go and support the winter retreat there Um, having spent you know a a few months uh, staying with with parents prior to that reconnecting with them and served the winter retreat there which you know very wonderful experience but I think for myself clarified that the monastic form wasn't wasn't for me you know I think that was part of what was going on there Um, but you know really appreciating the the community there and and connecting with Ajahn Sanchito's teachings which I I still you know very very much find alignment with and and this the sense of his kind of low-key delivery and a real you know walking the walk type person Um, and then I think whilst there was was when I then applied to become a coordinator here at Gaia House because that was another kind of uh, option. Um, oh, and I have missed yeah I've missed one key chapter which was prior so prior to Chithurst, and I signed up for this whilst still in Asia, was to go and do the three month retreat at Insight Meditation Society in, um, in America. IMS in America. Mm-hmm. So not long after coming back to the UK, I then uh, went off to the States, actually, to do the three-month retreat there. And there was this real wish just to keep the momentum going, keep the momentum going. Um, And I actually had that, I had this inner voice that that was a little bit like that. It just kept saying, keep going, keep going. It was kind of a silent voice and... uh, and so it felt really good when I put the booking in for that. I thought, wait, I'm going to go back to the UK and I'm going to keep keep going with this. It was sort of yeah, a yeah. real sense of yeah. a marker. Um, so, yeah, so I did that. And then I was able to go to Chithurst not long after that. And that that was a little bit more relaxed. It was kind of, you know, the the, the lace support team could, were practising in, in a more... A sort of spacious way the priority there was obviously supporting the community on their winter retreat um, so that type of practice you know, Dana practice um, and then that then kind of folded into coming to Gaia House to try out as a coordinator here and I guess in a roundabout way that was the kind of connection with more established connection with Gaia House with Devon and subsequently at a certain point being invited to to teach so we're talking um yeah i mean a few years of being in devon before before being invited to teach so just just being at guy house being a coordinator at guy no so yeah there are all sorts of big big bits in between all of this but being a coordinator at guy house um what did i do after that i was i was also for a time i was effectively the, the sort of early administrator for what is now Bodhi College, uh the the other kind of offshoot type uh, organisation of Gaia House, if you like, which is now firmly up and running. And uh that that was a kind of role that that I picked up uh of, of, you know, wanting to continue to support this type of thing and, and and that was a sort of paid position that I could go into, obviously a, a voluntary sort of position here, living in community at Gaia House. But that that was a kind of became more of a paid role, sort of livelihood still in the Dharma, hopefully using some of the sort of bits and pieces I picked up along the way, although subsequently running out of expertise for what <laughs> for what they needed and, and and that kind of was was a, an interesting unfolding in itself. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm not the best person to be fronting up this this ship of Bodhi College. and so that all at the time was a bit clunky, but in hindsight you know it's it, it, it worked out the way it needed to and then doing, um, yeah, just just kind of a more regular job for a charity based in Exeter, had met Rachel, who's now my wife, uh, moved in together, somewhere in the middle of all of that, got married, um, and was working, was wanting to try to bring some of this stuff into the, you know, explore it in the third sector, um, and... Uh, i ended up working with families who where where there'd been um you know just difficult family breakdowns and stuff like that and trying to kind of as a a charity intervention just support it moving forward for the benefit of the children really in a way that it could Um, and that was quite nice in a way because what happened there was a little bit like you know you you curious things happen when you practice for a while you know you get you get a really strong identity as a meditator or as like a Dumber, you know it doesn't have anywhere, anywhere else to go so you're, you're the self that on some level you're trying to get rid of or see through ends up being about meditation buddhism you know this is That's what i right. am this is what i do and going and having that chapter with uh you know stepping away from the context of you know uh, a practicing uh, place or community etc and and in a way, doing I started doing less, sort of less formal practice around. I mean, it had been sort of ebbing and flowing a bit anyway for for a while. But but there was just a bit less. It was just a bit of disidentifying, really, and going and doing something completely different. Almost shifted that locus, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah to like, it was, Yeah, definitely. Oh, this yeah. is kind of what I do now. Yeah. You know how we're always. And so that was really interesting, so I sort of shifted, and then it was almost a bit like, "Oh, I don't know if I am a meditator anymore i'm not sure I'm not sure if I am a you know whatever I thought i I was and it was around about that time through that unfolding about a year or so after Rachel and I gave birth or Rachel gave birth, I. Didn't care. <laughs> I was was involved in some way, but Rachel gave birth, um, that the invitation to then teach happened, which was kind of curious because I felt a little bit more out of the loop in a way. But I could also see how potentially that was helpful. There was a little bit of a kind of grounding of all of this in day-to-day life, family life, doing a more regular job, commuting into Exeter, still doing retreats and, you know, Having some kind of formal practice carrying on, still alive with it, but just it all feeling a bit more integrated and, um, so yeah, so that was yeah that that's kind of how it unfolded really. With
0: and it's just because you knew people and they said, "Well, how's about it?" Or
1: yeah, I mean it it sort of works in that traditional way. I mean I think there are different pathways now with with teachers coming online and such like, but the the flow for myself looking back all the way through was this much more sort of traditional intuitive you're gravitating towards certain individuals and you're having certain types of conversations and one or two of those teacher relationships very much kept consistent throughout not not in a kind of massively frequent way but you know quite quite a clear way and then there yeah there, there, there was there was an invitation you know an invitation by my my main teacher to to explore this yeah, who was your main teacher if you don't remember so what? that stayed um Iana, yeah, all the okay. way through who i know that you've spoken to mm-hmm. as well um so yeah and and something in me just so two things happened then there was one part of me who is um i, I think really sort of on quite a real level especially looking back from when i was young that there's there's quite a shy socially not very sort of confident person around who would would yeah it's just very wary of sort of public type stuff which, which is kind of weird because definitely i learned how to do more publicy sort of speaking stuff better through the years but it was more a kind of oh I, I've, I have to find a way to be able to do this so there was part of me that was like whoa <laughs> and then there was part of me that just leapt forward and thought yeah this just feels just so right okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and trusting you know trusting mm. the did you, know, you get forward. training or so we then went through a process of sort of mentorship for quite a few years yeah three or four four years or so so you know uh, assisting retreats and liaising in between and um, and that also partly fitted my sort of life circumstances as well of you know needing to take care of various other things um, and you know I was aware that there yeah are other pathways or, or um, but but that was the one that, that sort of unfolded for me so yeah just a kind of mentoring type relationship which I think is similar to how it often is and has been with the insight meditation tradition you know through through the years over the last 40 years or so in terms of yeah trainees kind of yeah working alongside more experienced teachers and, and this type of thing.
0: And so you will Bit by bit, you give more and more talks, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sort of come online, transition. How then. was it your
0: first time? I mean, I've, I was sitting the other day and they had a course here, and I was, you know it's a really full course, and I was and I was just watching one of the teachers there, thinking this is a really full Dharma hall, and everybody's just sat silently, and you're giving a talk. I'd be yeah. terrified. Yeah. <laughs> looking down at that hall with sixty or seventy yeah. people or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been terrifying, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to remember the first, <laughs> the first thing. I mean, I think you're 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 quite protected by virtue of being uh, a trainee. You know, people right. know that you're a, a trainee, but got, that, your, got your L plates. On. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that shift from that part of the hall, you know, from sitting looking one way in the hall to sitting in the other hall looking the other way, felt significant and does sort of various interesting things to things inside of you uh but to very the, the sense was to very much just to keep relating to it as part of practice of the path of these sort of different challenges that it's unfold interesting, yeah, yeah. so that that felt very clear it's like oh this is interesting and um but yeah for me and i i don't think um, i think this is probably you know relatively clear there's definitely i think often with me it's quite obvious that that's not a naturally comfortable position for me to be in um, so yeah, you know the, the, the sort of public speaking side of stuff um, there's definitely you know, some some uh, uh, yeah, challenges around that and that is interesting because of course so, so often in, in that seat you're wanting to speak as much as possible from a place of presence and you might have you know, part of you that's like, oh, you know, more more vigilant, and that's not so much sort of wanting to speak from a place of presence, but trying control, and you know, can I do this right, and uh, this type of thing. So, so that's probably been the main challenge. But it's it's all underpinned with a sense of, um, you know, there's there's something in the background that's kind of okay with it all. But there's the very, <laughs> yeah, lived human. Experience we all as individuals just all have different things and stuff, don't we? And uh, for me, I think, uh, yeah, sort of public speaking and being in that type of seat definitely has has challenges. And that, how do you <laughs> find it now? I've got you've been teaching how many years now? Uh, so I guess it's sort of authorized about four. Four years was it, two thousand and nineteen or something? So you know, doing a fair bit. So, so a plus assistant. sort
0: of four, you know, good four years before that. So you've been yeah. quite a while. Yeah. You've been up there on yeah. the
1: front. How how do you find it now? Um, it's I mean it can so much depend on all the different conditions of your life and everything that's going on, etc. So so there, there's not so much of a sense of landing anywhere in terms of oh yeah, this is something that I I can just do really easily now or whatever. Um, because it depends on so many other things, but there is that experience of it, yeah, just feeling a bit more used to being in the seat, feeling, um, yeah, just, just, yeah, that, that, you know, connection and that movement of wanting to share, which can feel so simple and easeful when there's, you know, not other things going on. It's sort of it almost, it, it just, feels like it it's just happening in a way um and yeah it's it's uh it's um oh what to say yeah there's so many different ways of describing it yeah it's it's a lot it it's getting a lot more i'm getting a lot more used to all the the different aspects of of being in that seat and sharing the dharma and thinking oh look that's that's happening and hello, and being a bit more playful with it. Whereas, you know, right. sometimes in the beginning it's like, oh no, I can't sort of get all public speaking wobbly now. this would Can't this would deviate a yeah, you know, millimeter, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, and I think, you know, for myself also, this sense of, in the Dharma, there's this exquisite perfection in the imperfection. And you, you know, you get a sense of how perfect it is that, you know everything's not quite perfect. I mean, Guy House is a perfect sort of example yeah. of that. You know, part of its perfection is that it's not perfect, no. and so it, it's a lot of it is is for myself about learning to, um, yeah, not have to be perfect and, um, getting used to that really, and and it being okay. You know, you you do your best and. Offer what you can, and uh, and every, everything else is learning in a way. So, yeah, something along those lines more trust and faith and those type of qualities, I think, are probably the main thing. Are you a full time teacher now? Is that, or do you do other things? Um, I do sort of bits and pieces of other things, but not like a sort of another um, paid job as such so so um i will earn some money in dharma related things i mean it 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 changes and varies but no, it's been quite a few years since i've had a another paid job as such and over the years it it does sort of so far it's it's seems to have you know worked out um but yeah it's not all just on dharma. so there will be you know for example i'm doing some work with guy house at the moment for a uh, online related course and there's you know an agreement of, of sort of, s- some some income related to that, um, but yeah, I mean if if it could all be on Dana I think that would probably be, be my preference. But I I still feel like I'm I'm, yeah, relatively new in a sense and. And just finding my way the appropriate balance with home life. We also homeschool. And so, because you've got a family as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we made the decision to homeschool her, which does involve her still attending a uh, effectively a school a few days a week. But but yeah, there's quite a few implications at home as well. And so so just to try to find yeah the appropriate balance really. Um, so yeah, a lot on Dana, but not. Completely, but yeah. all I think I'm right in saying in the, in the Dharma, in the Dharma world. So it's, it's
0: all st- it's all still within that field. Yeah, yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how do you find the life? The life of a teacher is it?
1: Uh, Dharma teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah God, say. what to say really? Um, I don't know. I. Yeah, it's it's hard to sort of i I feel a bit like i'm I'm sort of doing it or it's unfolding a bit differently for myself than some of the the teachers that i have spent time with um i think yeah there's a sense of kind of just seeing seeing how how I am and how it comes out in me and um feeling relatively it feels relatively natural i think to not find myself, um, you know, maybe this is to do with what I was saying about not feeling so comfortable on a seat in front of lots of people, of sort of wanting to be more like, I suppose, like a, a friend on the path and to try to, as much as possible, yeah, really get, I suppose stuck into the nitty-gritty of, you know, how do you make this work in day-to-day life? And to try to, you know, I'm I'm still finding my way with that. I I don't know if that's, uh, I'm not sure that that's a journey that ever ends, that particular element of practice, of embodiment, of of how do we bring this into humanity as much as possible? So because that feels like that's my sort of main um, kind of, uh, I don't know if aspirations is the right word or whatever that exploration there's you know there is this sense of exploring you know all of our lives are different and yeah there's there's lots and lots of things that I really struggle within all of that but it but but it still has a certain uh background of establishment of practice there um so yeah, I, I, God, I'm not, not giving a very clear answer to this one. That's all I know, I it was. Uh,
0: I, I can't imagine it's something to give a clear answer on. That it was, yeah, it was a, but, but just going back to the practice itself. What, what, what are the joys the practice brings? What, what does it, what does it give to you? Yeah. What, what are the fruits of the practice? The <laughs> the fruits. the question that people <laughs> always ask, isn't it? In yeah. the Text. It's for you anyway. What's the
1: uh, I mean it's the classics, isn't it? It's sort of meaning and purpose, and I mean one of the things that happened for me quite early on was that i I could sort of this happened quite a lot when I first came to practice was this falling into quite concentrated refined states of mind which were so much more happier and joyful than what you know what else everything else that was going on for me back then. Um, and that stayed for quite a long time, but then it sort of disappeared itself, you know? So this idea that that people have this as a skill and all this kind of stuff has never made so much sense to me. It was, for myself, it was like, oh, I seem to used to have that skill, and now I don't seem to have it. Should I go and develop that skill? Sort of tried that for a while, so to find the happy place, the joyful place, through having a really calm and concentrated mind, Um, and it just felt like that door just kept closing, Um, And at a certain point, it just intuitively felt much more like this is about really being willing to really show up and meet your unfolding life with as much curiosity and kindness and awareness as possible. So it was, I suppose, what some people might call a bit more the path of, of dry insight, if that's the right way of framing it, whereby you don't necessarily always have access to something that feels really peaceful and blissful in your meditation practice um and so with that there there, there, yeah there were times where it's like oh i'm not sure i'm really enjoying this anymore you know it's like i had a very real sense of eventually i would get to the joy again but yeah if i'm honest this is you know it's not it feels like a rough ride quite a lot of the time um and i think some within all of that with some helpful support of teachers there was a real inclination towards loving kindness practice not just as a practice but as a as an attitude as a as a sort of way of relating to yourself you know don't try and beat yourself up here that's not what this is about so that really softened that and there's always been a kind of wish to kind of Find spaciousness and whether it's outdoors or in nature you know meditative type stuff um in, in the in the wilderness or whatever has always been uh, a source of joy um but then i i read it in words really well uh, a few years ago in a book uh called the light inside the dark by somebody called john tarrant um where he he, he has a quote in that book that says something like sooner or later I started to realise that my happiness didn't depend on actually feeling happy. It depended on my willingness to meet where I was at Mm -hmm. and to embrace it. And something in that really clicked. I'm like, great, you've really vocalised what my experience is Mm -hmm. because there's many times in my life where I felt happy, but deeply within I felt not at all happy. And a lot of the path for myself has been on, on a feeling Visceral level or a sort of appearance level, not necessarily looking happy, not necessarily being in a state, a happy state of mind, but feeling a deep sense of happiness, of a sense of alignment, of a willingness. So it's kind of two things. It's like the part of you that is genuinely happy and resourced, which feels like it grows and grows and grows through practice, is starting to meet all those parts of you that. Are struggling or have been pushed to one side or haven't been met in the way that they want to with kindness and that's really been the way i felt that i've needed to walk the path through the shape of my life in terms of having family and and a child and and the different situations i've ended up in it's been much more about the attitude and something deeper that they being almost a well-being and, and a, a happiness and being able to feel not necessarily happy some days. You know, it's like I really need to feel grumpy oh, and sad here. Well, I haven't yeah, been able yeah. to do that for years. Yeah, I was yeah. never allowed to as a child. Yeah. So this is a bit, and with this for myself came a little bit of a sense of a dropping away of a certain identity or a certain sort of shape that one feels like one might need to fit into as a meditator. And I've never intended to be a bit of a kind of like uh, off the, the one who's, who's a little bit different. But I sometimes feel like maybe I don't know. Maybe I am. I don't know the one who yeah, I, I find myself a bit like you know. Yeah, I, I feel grumpy today. You know. So so what? I feel grumpy. You know, and there, and there being a certain sense of. But inside, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And that yeah, yeah. I, I encountered a teacher once who really emphasised self honesty, and it really stayed with me. Mm-hmm. It's like that. That's you. You need self honesty. You need to know. Where you're meditating for ten hours a day, but you're doing it to try to get somewhere, to fix yourself, to get rid of yourself. You know, sooner see that and sit for five minutes a day, and have that in check.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, that there's there's something in, and, and with that, and I kind of I've questioned myself a lot through the years with this a bit because I've I, it has been a bit intuitive, and I do feel like. A lot of the path has been quite dry for me, if I'm honest, and as in more vipassana than yeah, than Sharr- yeah. Samet so and, always, yeah. always kind of insight, but but yeah. not really being able to concentrate and off, you know, or get, in, you know, in, into sort of jhanas and stuff like this. Um, but you know, oftentimes in the last few years when I've well, maybe not oftentimes, but I've sort of gone on silent retreat with all all of that and sometime during that retreat felt yeah no this is okay like like feeling the fruit of that in the retreat setting more um which sort of helps me feel that the way that i'm sort of trying to walk this path in day-to-day life is there is value and purpose You're, you're not going wrong somewhere you know you shouldn't um so i don't know if that makes sense but it's like there there is this sense of how to walk this path you know with with, you know leading a life where it's not always possible to go off and and get and get these refined states and 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 fit as long as there's purpose in that i'm okay with that Mm. and so long as there's purpose in that i can be happy i can feel well enough doing it you know because it's like and then you know maybe when you do have some silence or or you come on retreat you you might sort of plug back in to that resource and feel you know the joy and the well-being or you know the the actually feeling joy and it's like that that maybe feels feels enough you know that connection is there um i hope that made sense yeah, it's quite no, hard no, to no, wrap language no, no, around no, no i did yeah. it, it
0: made an awful lot of sense actually yeah yes yeah, i think my experience has been the same that you start thinking you'll somehow get rid of these problems and be amazing and be superhuman and actually just become more human. You become more okay with the fact that you're this bloke who gets grumpy or near this bloke, and it's just okay. Yeah, it doesn't go. You're just okay with it. You can just relate to it yeah. better. That seems to be what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, that's, I
1: to- totally get that. Yeah, well Absolutely. put, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well put. It's uh, it's so it's so paradoxical because I often think that other people would expect. You know, might expect you to be different, and yeah. you see the pull into trying to be what people might you think people might expect you to be, or whatever. Mm. But it's blissed out, meditating, yes, yeah. it's always wow, fully on top hey, of yeah, it everything's
0: control. amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's just it, like it doesn't go like that. Does yeah, it?
1: no, it doesn't. It's, yeah. it's 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 beautiful the way you put it. Yeah. There's this sense of sort of more and more human somehow. Mm because you're able to there's part of you that's able to be with that more and more and open to it you
0: just relate more skillfully to it don't you yeah you you do have
1: to relate to it it doesn't go anywhere yeah Mm. so massively massively sort of wary of i mean it's 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 a word right but but i think this this spiritual bypass thing is Mm. is definitely a real thing Mm. i could see myself trying to do that for a while um i feel like i see it a lot in others i think we're quite fragmented psychologically in this day and age with our conditioning and I think that's a real um, avenue for a lot of a lot of people so there, there was this sort of the part of the self-honesty thing was doesn't matter what anyone else thinks just try and keep you, you know when you're opening to the whole of you more and more as one teacher said it's like it's like that transcendent place it comes back for everything comes back for all of it and there's end tradition they they talk about coming back down the mountain. it's like mm, it comes yeah, yeah. it comes back for every single mm. part mm. of you right down to mm. the the bit in you that just thinks you are you know whatever mm. you know mm. um, so that's messy like that's kind of you know <laughs> so yeah it's it's a funny game because of course being a Dharma teacher will open you to more and more of this the the different sneaky ways that you might sort of not quite open that particular door but the the capacities are real you know the sense of hopefully being able to meet and hold and hopefully there be something coming through in in what you share by virtue of being in touch with with what you're encountering and Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways to try and put words to it in language. It's kind of hard. And and
0: I think, you know, something when we first started talking about doing this podcast is, as a Dharma teacher, people project onto you. You never go, ah, he's a Dharma teacher. He must be this, and he should be that, and he should be perfect. You have all that sort of stuff to deal with as well, don't you, which is is always difficult, I I should imagine.
1: It is, and, you know, even actually sort of agreeing to do this podcast, Danny, there was a little bit of something in my mind about you know this thing about because obviously in that seat you really want to do what's most helpful Mm. but then there's also this thing of trusting you know for example trusting that whoever wants to listen to this podcast wants to listen to this podcast you know (laughs) etc so it's 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 a it's it feels like um yeah there, there is there is real value in being able to hold all of that. And of course, there is there is a reality in that as well. There is a sense of, yeah, you do, you do know, you know, you, you, you do have, have insight, you know. You, you, but there is also this, this other trajectory that I think is really important to, to speak about. And for people, perhaps they both happen at the same time or, or for some, it's kind of more in one direction for a while and then the other. Or, you know, there's probably various different different ways. But I know for myself, really, some of the most inspiring teachers that I've been drawn towards, it's like they're waking up as well as waking down um, is, is probably a good way to, to describe it. And I feel like waking down is something that the world really needs right now. Waking down as in? Well, like not just trying to sort of get out. I was uh, getting back in. Yeah, yeah. And embod- embodiment, embodiment, really. I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So you know, we need to talk about that part, mm-hmm. and it, and it's messy. You know, it's like we, I, I, I think openly, there are, uh, you know, teachers I've heard of, like, yeah, you know, you do, you, you're doing various things, and then all of a sudden you, you know, you encounter something that's yeah, really quite difficult or traumatized, and you know, this this can, this can can be there. You know, there's lots of layers to to us and. And stuff. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it's sort of perfectly imperfect, I suppose, is. Good (laughs) phrase. I like that. Yeah. So one way of sort of looking
0: at it. (laughs) There's a couple of questions more. Just something I always ask, you know, what are the joys? What are the fruits of the practice? But also, you know, what what are the obstacles you you might face in your practice these days,
1: if there are any? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there definitely are. It's funny. I wrote something, a little reminder, I think, on my computer a few years ago. So the, the the time just felt like this is all you ever need to remind yourself. <laughs> you, know, you know, there's one, but it was something yeah, like no, all really, all yeah. you need is the view, something like yeah. that. All you need is the view. It's like your so the the the, the teacher Seyedor Utajnia talks about this in terms of kind of mm. more regular meditation practice. But it, he'll say, you know, if there's ever if you ever find there is a problem in your meditation practice, there's usually something not being recognized or noticed Mm. or something to that Mm. effect. And I think I think in writing, all you need is the view, it's something similar. It's like if if you really find yourself in a hole, that's probably the bit that's missing. So it's not necessarily the fact that you're in a particular emotional mind state or a particular dynamic or something particular is unfolded in your relationship that you think ought not to have been happening. It's sort of almost like, how do I just pause within the middle of this whole constellation of conditions and just check in with how I'm seeing or relating to what's going on? And I think over the years, getting enough of a sense that there's sort of a door somewhere in there that can open where you're like, "Ah, this is it. This is me in the middle. I was telling you before the podcast about, you know, I've had a really... I wasn't at my best today. You know, there it's were challenging conditions. Day, Other you, people yeah. would have done a lot better yeah. than I than I did in it. But I it brought out But at a certain point there is this sense of ah, this is really like you really are being sort of humbled here. You're 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 having to eat your own words or or you know, you're 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 being you're being seen with people that you don't really know in a way that you really don't want to be seen <laughs> by others. Of course that's a learning you need to go through. You know, you've you're so good at sort of, you know, presenting, you know, whatever. So it, at a certain point, it's like, oh, this is there's a lot of rich learning in this. And, you know, it's a bit of a, a cliche, but qualities like equanimity, they really become embodied and established precisely through being willing to feel our reactivity. It's not through stopping our reactivity happening. It's being willing to feel it, mm-hmm. be in situations where we're reactive and And bring awareness to it um, so I think it all hovers around how does one live a life where you are in that view, and I can see the wish to you know live at a place like our house where I could just be in that view all the time, but knowing there's meaning and purpose in walking this path in mm. situations where I in fact lose the view, and when I lose the view, it do, it I do forget that it's all, its okay, you know. Whatever's happening is workable. Like, you do forget that; that's part of that. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of somehow getting used to this kind of slightly toing and froing between. Oh yeah, okay. All oh, right, okay. Here we are. Blah blah. Yeah. This is this is how it is. These. This is what life's like. These are the challenge. You know. The, these are people have far bigger challenges than this. So the challenge is kind of remembering and mindfulness. One of the translations is remembering. But the part that I think, in a sense, what one's trying to do is to try to bring that more and more into the stuff of day to day life, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. are the areas where we forget. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, maybe more and more remembering occurs. And so. Yeah, it kind of all hovers around that. But, yeah, I, on a practical level, the list is endless. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> family, uh, work, uh, you know. Um, <clears throat> but but because that all changes, you know. Some days, uh, you know, uh, day out with my daughter is just absolutely, we're in the flow with each other. And then yeah, another day, yeah. it's just, I can't do this. So... You know, it's not, it's not one thing. It is really yeah, about yeah. this view thing that I was talking about, yeah, I think. Yeah. And Brilliant. Yeah.
0: Two last questions. Okay. Who have been your biggest influences, Dharma influences? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, it doesn't have to be one person. It can
1: be a, a few, you know yeah let's uh, I mean I I think one that that still is 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 there that I find myself speaking about often is His Holiness the Dalai Lama Mm -hmm. because I really feel that um yeah we're just so fortunate to have had him around to to keep having him around um and I know that you know there's a fair bit of projection on there but, but within that I do think wow that's that's impressive um and yeah, I, I guess in in fairly recent years, the likes of Sayed or Utajaniya who mm. who really sort of made the path work in challenging yeah. situation and conditions, mm. you know, a business person, family, etc., is a a light of possibility. I think. Have, have you ever
0: sat a retreat with him? I have. Yeah. Have you here a Guy House? Have you? Yeah, because yeah, he yeah. used to come here, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I missed that.
1: I wish I'd. Come. Yeah, so people, a lot of teachers that offer a refreshed perspective on things, I would mm-hmm. say. And of course, that's always of the moment, you know. So someone 10 years ago would have offered a fresh perspective that now doesn't feel so fresh. So yeah, it depends yeah. when you're living. But I feel like <laughs> Sayada <laughs> Ruta did that. And interestingly enough, much to my own overcoming of my own resistance, but also the the teacher, um, Adi Ashanti, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, practiced in the Zen tradition mm-hmm. for many years. But again really questioning the assumptions that we bring to practice Mm. saying stuff like you know it can be the view that you don't think it's possible that can be your biggest obstacle so to really come and refresh and say this really is possible like we really can go extremely deep with this path just notice when you're carrying the idea around that and include it because of course it informs everything that you're everything that you're doing so he, you know, someone out of a different tradition who who sort of uh came along the way. Um, you know, several of the teachers here, I I um, you know, I, I think of Yanai and, and Lee Lasati as two mm-hmm. main teachers. Again, I've always been a bit wider than just Buddhism, so uh several teachers from the Diamond Approach by mm-hmm. Hamid Ali uh, or that tradition as well. Uh which which i feel really speaks to that embodiment mm. dimension oh, are you part of the red one the diamond sort? yes i haven't mentioned that at all have i but uh mm. i did that for about four years mm. or so where it just felt like it was uh yeah the flow was was changing and i, I kind of mm. moved out of that school but um i still sort of re- read a fair bit around it and mm. uh yeah that that was that was also quite significant actually in terms of uh um, yeah, addressing or offering, offering almost a more detailed map. It felt like of a certain part of the terrain mm. in a slightly different language. Mm. That's maybe for another conversation. But I can that's, say, yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's a whole other. I <laughs> yeah, did a little yeah. bit of it myself. It's very oh, pop, yeah, very yeah, powerful Yeah, so stuff. You know, yeah really
0: yeah. good. A couple of years of it, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. How?
1: How? So you had uh, which group?
0: Which? Uh, we, we used to meet in Wales. This is going back. Ten years right. or so. Yeah, yes, yeah. so I think I did. Yeah, maybe two years, and okay. then, yeah, my circumstances changed, yeah. and I sort of moved on, and um, I just moved on from the idea of it. But yeah, the, the, it was a it was a very powerful
1: couple of years. I yeah. really liked it. So. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's it's it feels like a good. Uh, yeah, it's feels like a good thing that's going on there, and, and there is this ongoing connection with that, and quite a few of guy the guys, guy teachers, teachers, yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so yeah, probably uh, loads and loads of people that I'm sort of forgetting, not quite remembering. I mean, yeah, definitely Joseph Goldstein, Jack Hornfield yeah. and those who I just feel mm-hmm. like have really steered this unfolding mm-hmm. ship in such a remarkable way. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah, and Sharon Salzberg also. And yeah, just yeah, lots and lots really
0: yeah that i I know when i start up that sort of question that the list just goes on and on and suddenly you just realize there are so many people out there who have these really powerful and it's it's amazing i'm uh, you did i feel so grateful for it and you you sound like you have the same thing it's like wow there's so many good teachers out there yeah and we do live in a blessed age where where we have access to so many of these teachers which people didn't really have 30 40 50 years ago you know it's online it's on the internet and
1: absolutely yeah absolutely no it's such a blessing because they they you know so many of these uh people you know went to different countries for long periods of time Mm. learned the different languages and wrestled with they put up with some hard stuff hard stuff that that we don't have to do yeah yeah, and figured it all out and so that there is this sort of way in which you really feel part of something living because Mm. it's finding yeah what works for our conditioning here and but having to do that really the hard way Mm. um a lot of them had, had almost amazed how much they did in short you know over not didn't yeah. seem like very long years so uh and also the way they repackaged
0: it you know a lot of the the dharma in the east when you hear it it's it's a very not not a, the, the bits i've heard cut off from quite dry and quite straight from the text. Yeah. and people have brought it back and repackaged it and it's very sort of remarketed it if you like in this very Western way that we can consume very you know, the likes of Jack Cornfield and Joseph Goldstein put it in a way that we really get and it's just lovely that again they've done the work and yeah. We're just so blessed to have that that they've they've gone and, and brought it back for us. It's brilliant. Absolutely best times in yeah. that respect.
1: Yeah, it has a it has a flavour that we can all feel that again is hard to sort of describe in a way, but it's very different. It's got mm. yeah, so much more heart, soul, I suppose, mm, to yeah. use that language. Yeah. So yeah, lots, lots, and lots. Really, yeah. I think. Yeah.
0: Last question. Any books you recommend? Oh, oh,
1: that's a good question. Maybe your top three. All right. Um, well, yeah, probably mindfulness in plain English because it is such oh. a clear um, communication. It was for me anyway. Mm. So if you if you're just sort of getting into this stuff, uh, that's a good one. Um, oh goodness. On the spot now <laughs> I think probably Some of the teachings of Ajahn Chah Because you know mm. All the the similes and metaphors And just this sense of just such uh, Such wisdom Just mm. coming mm. through Just this 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 being so, Very direct isn't it Yeah mm. so food for the heart I think I really mm. enjoyed that collection of discourses And wow. Oh goodness me What else Um Yeah well yeah probably some of Sayadaw Utejaniya's teachings so um, I I haven't read masses of them but um, a book called Dharma Everywhere I think is one of Mm -hmm. those again that can help us with that view that we bring to our life where we might have assumptions about where we can cultivate wisdom and where we can't and to really open that up Um, so he talks a lot about attitude and you know just taking it very simply back to you know is there greed hatred and delusion in the mind here and you know once we've got those once we bring our awareness to those it's like anything's possible okay yeah i'm choosing not to really explore this moment okay why is that and, and then we're into relationship again
0: mm. so dharma is everywhere dharma everywhere
1: yeah. dharma everywhere dharma okay, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh yeah. I feel like I should say. Is there anything you want to say? To I feel <laughs> when I've listened to podcasts before, it's like you, no, you you both ask each other questions, and I've just been answering all the questions. So no, no, that's <laughs> good. I'm
0: going to wrap it up, Sue, because we've we've been going quite yeah. a while, Gavin. Sure. A- a- anything you want to add?
1: Oh, what to add? What to add? Um. Oh goodness me. Yeah, I think just Yeah, maybe it is just this thing about, you know, the way in which certainly my mind used to partition things off into this is this and this is that, this is the retreat center and this is mm. not at a retreat centre. And there are so many simi- there are so many more similarities between being in a retreat center and being at home than there are differences. So to to really ignite that exploration of what is it that we that we feel that, that we sort of continue to bring or ideas that we hold on to. Because for all of us, and we can start doing this sooner rather than later if we want to, but we'll need to do it at some point, we need to walk the path through the whole of our unfolding life. Mm. You know, we can't bypass ourselves inwardly or, or also outwardly. Of course, we have choices about where we go and what we do, but this sense of including more and more and more. So just having some curiosity and inquiry about what is it we bring you know what ideas and assumptions because you may just open up doorways that that you don't really expect and and that can happen you know that can happen anywhere not just in a in a retreat center in fact at a certain point a retreat center can in its own way become potentially a little bit of a hindrance (laughs) so you know (laughs) not of course you know of great value also but you know there's everywhere is is uh is our life so it's it's worth uh bringing that inquiry that inquiring exploring investigative mind which is often the bit we miss you know it's like oh yeah i'll do some meditation i'll be present here but we're not really we're not really exploring and that's one of the factors of awakening so if we bring that in more and more then they start to work their magic and and we 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 cultivate the path wherever we go more and more
0: yeah there's an awful lot of work there's an awful lot of work to be done off the cushion isn't there as well as as well as on the cushion i would agree yeah yeah for sure
1: i think for some people depending on the shape of our life of course if you have a life where you could really go off and really commit to a lot of sitting practice then absolutely you know Mm. the buddha definitely elevated that but for a lot of us the way it's unfolding there is that invitation to really embrace everywhere we go Mm. and to soften the boundaries in a way between being on the cushion and off the cushion mm. just see if we could just
0: keep keep the exploration going. You remember Jack Cornfield said something to the effect of there's a time for there's a time for retreat and there's a time for service and you need to you kind of need to know which is which. Yeah. I can't remember the quote, but it's something along those lines. Yeah. And I really like that, you know, there's a time to be on the cushion and there's a time to be out in the world. Yeah working it out off the cushion and exactly. there's that, an intuitive
1: yeah knowledge there you start yeah. to feel into that more yeah, yeah. and to, yeah to relate to life that way rather than what what you can get from it and more and more exploring mm. you know what you can mm. give to it and then that is you know that's the opportunity to practice sharing and data and service and all of these things
0: brilliant that's lovely thank you Gavin oh thanks yeah, yeah thank yeah. you thanks. so much for sharing all that and Saying about your life and teaching that that was that was lovely. It was really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank really. you.
1: Thank you for having me. Good to be here at Guy oh, yeah. House. Thank and, you. Yeah, thank you.